challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country with a pedal to the metal with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've reached uh, Sundays with Dr. Sean, and we're here at the Kehala in Newark, Delaware, where we eat better than anybody else. Uh, we happen to have today, it's like a picnic, a summer picnic. We got your fried chicken, your yard bird, you got your potato salad homemade, you got your uh, watermelon crisp and good, you got your potato chips, you got your uh, three different kinds of uh, Klondike bars. I mean, can't go wrong here. If you go hungry, it's your fault. Um, everything was good. We also had stuffed shells, too. Those were really good, too. So uh, those of you who have been praying uh, all around the world, I really appreciate when you commit to praying for stuff that we mentioned. Um, you might remember me talking about my friend Eric, a uh, friend since uh, kindergarten, and he was fighting cancer, and unfortunately uh, he passed away. But fortunate for him, he was a strong believer, and he is now uh, he's now real familiar with the face of Christ, and that's awesome. I um, and And that motivated me to do today's sermon, to write today's sermon, on death and dying with faith and peace, on death and dying with faith and peace. And death is scary for most people, but not for me. I've, I've said this for a long time. I seem to repeat it a lot uh, because I have life-threatening uh, health problems, and so I have to deal with death. I mean, it could be any time. It could be during this message. You never know. Um, but lest you think that I would passively roll over uh, in a fight for my life situation, you'd be wrong. I'll fight with all that I have, and then some. And uh, I have been and I will be fierce in fighting for life and peace. However, when my time comes, I have no fear. And people often ask me why. Well, Dr. George Hepworth, if you've uh, ever read good commentary, you've read Hepworth. And Hepworth said that we must recover from some of our blind prejudices concerning death and must come to understand that it is not an enemy, but a messenger of God, and such a messenger can never be other than kindly. To Christ, it must have been an infinite relief. And to us who follow in his footsteps, it is the inn in which we sleep on the last night before we reach home. In the morning, when we wake from slumber, we find ourselves on the brighter shore, in the presence of the loved who have gone before. Such faith makes us peaceful contented and happy, glad to live as long as we may, and glad to go when the Father summons us. Isn't that something? Boy, that guy knew how to put things. And uh, Dr. George H. Hepworth, if you Google him, um, 
He's got so many beautiful, amazing things and true things. So this is the truth about death and dying from Scripture. Um, and it's important to remember some things. I'm a firm believer in check everything. Check your truth with Scripture and see how your truth matches up to Scripture. Not the other way around. Your truth may not be true. How often, I mean, just to get to show of hands here, there's some a lot of people eating Klondike bars. You know, that's a you can't wait around on the Klondike bars, right? You got to eat them. You have to eat them, right, Mr. Stable? You got to eat those because they can go away. Time is of the essence. It's an emergency. So let's that's right. We can't can't mess around. Um, but but I find that sometimes uh, folks think they know what is the truth, but it's not really the truth. They think they know, and they're really convinced of it. You ever know anybody like that that's just so convinced of something? They're just convinced they're right. They're convinced they know the truth about whatever it is that you're discussing. And it's very frustrating sometimes, isn't it, if you've ever been with that type of person uh, who is just very, very convinced. Do you ever be in a room, uh, you're the only conservative in a room full of very liberal people? Every day at work, Wes says. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things. And and um, I was just saying on the way here that it is easier to be uh, a liberal in a room full of conservatives than it is to be a conservative in a room full of liberals. And I say the reason I say that is because I find it's not just on the left; it's it's to some degree on the right, as obviously we know. Uh, London again is dealing with another uh, terrorist attack, and with more people that have been maimed and killed and terrorized um, and they're still I don't feel coming to grips with the reality that it is and so basically the the London mayor says listen there's nothing to be afraid of Sadiq Khan he's a Muslim that they elected uh, look there's nothing to be afraid of and our president President Trump rightly said or highlighted I guess I'll summarize are you out of your mind nothing to be afraid of you've got to be kidding me and so that got me to thinking about death. You know, we've had lots of death at the hand of terrorism here in the United States and all over Europe. They're, they're dealing with it now. But you know what's interesting is Israel's been dealing with death and dying for a long time uh, at the hands of terrorists. Isn't it interesting? The most peaceful nation in the Middle East is always having to deal with the most violent of nations and the most violent of factions. It's a shame. So they have to think about death all the time. I had a great conversation uh, with a very famous uh, uh, Jewish thinker and leader, and uh, one of these days we're going to get him on the show. It's just the time difference is really tough. Uh, but um, the Wednesday show, and uh, he was telling me why they don't struggle there, that they're not terrified of dying. He said, you know, when you're born, uh, an Israeli Jew or any other kind of Jew, you, you're born into fighting for your very existence, your very culture. You're born into embracing the culture of life for as long as you live, and that you know that so many people are coming after you. And I talk to many police officers. Uh, I used to be a police officer, many military people, special ops guys, CIA guys, and, and that deal with the very deadliest of situations. And and we have conversations about life and death, and we always say, make sure your life insurance is paid up. Make sure everything is in force, you know, because you just never know. You just never know. And so ultimately it comes down to this, that 
you uh, you find yourself in a situation as a a person in a life or death circumstance that you uh, you wonder you wonder to yourself you you wonder will I make it today? Will today be the day? Will I will I make it past today? You know, I talk to combat guys a lot. We, you know, we have a lot of conversations because I give free uh, PTS counseling uh, to combat vets. And I, and in talking to them, they, I say, you know, you guys, what do you talk about in your squads or your teams or your platoons? What do you talk about? Do you talk about death and dying? Do you have you ever had that conversation? And usually they'll say, nah, nah, not until right before. If you can see it coming, you know it's coming. Because you just can't think about it, can't focus on it. You just try to keep your paperwork up to date. You know, your paperwork is your life insurance, your will, all of that. And, you know, you have to think about death. And this is this is something that uh, I was an estate planner for about 10 years. And and uh, and I would always tell people, listen, you may, not, you may not like the life insurance guy every month when you're making your payment. But guess what? When you pass away. Your family will love the life insurance guy and the estate planning and all the rules and all the different things you have to do um, to spell things out. You know, you got to think about death. We have to think about death because we're going to die. We're all going to die. Many in this room have been touched by death, family members, spouses, friends, close friends, all of us, all of us. The father of your children just what uh, a week ago, you know. It's just amazing. Death is all around us, and it, it doesn't sleep. Death doesn't sleep. It doesn't rest. It doesn't stop. We're, it just keeps coming after us, no matter what we do. You know, uh, many of you know that I was uh, in a fatal car crash, 92 miles per hour versus 51 miles per hour, head on. Went from 51 miles per hour to zero miles per hour in seven feet. The deceleration alone was enough to kill me. And, uh, and the many other factors piling on to that. But the fact of the matter is, is uh, I, I wasn't nervous or fearful in the car. I, I can promise you I was not nervous or fearful in the car. And I thought maybe this might be my time. Little did I know I'd already died. I didn't, I didn't know that at the time. Didn't find that out till years later. Um, but the fact of the matter of it is, is uh, Lewis Albert Banks, he, he uh, wrote many great sermons, many, many, many years ago, back in 1902, he wrote a sermon uh, entitled, Death, a Kindly Messenger. Death, a Kindly Messenger. And and I, I find it interesting that some people, my buddy Eric, a great example. Eric, a uh, great believer, really, really close to God, sang gospel music for a long time, and is a very successful band. And and um, and all the way to the end, he, he was saying, you know, have faith in God. Don't don't live in fear. My buddy Chris, fighting pancreas cancer now, he's a man of God. He's, you know, it's complete trust and faith in God. Jerry, great example. So many other great examples all, all over the place. We have great examples of people who have great faith. I've known great people. How many in here have known somebody of really great faith that just didn't seem to fear death, right? We've all, we've all known those people. So in, in this Lewis Albert Banks uh, sermon, uh, all the way back in 1902, it's a truth. That, that really stands the test of time. There are lots of different types of death, uh, but I, but I just want to talk about deaths of those who believe, death of believers. 
right? Because we'll stay in that circle. It's a big enough circle, and I'll, I'll hurry and try to get through. But my objective tonight was not to wax eloquent about death and dying from a human perspective. Many of you know I had a counseling practice for years, have degrees in counseling, and so um, I was able to speak to lots of people, and I've done funerals, and I've been with people at the worst part of their life near dying, either themselves at the door of death or their dear loved one at the door of death. So I've experienced both of those, and in looking at both of those, I have to say, um, many different people look at death different ways, right? And if you if you are listening on Blog Talk Radio and you have, uh, by the way, welcome to chat. Hello to Alaska, New York. The Alaska, New York's well represented. If you um, if you if you look if you're able to see the pictures that come up the the slideshow that comes up you'll see that one of them looks fairly festive right it's it's uh the announcement for the show had a uh, uh a jazz band sort of a gospely jazz band in New Orleans New Orleans Louisiana right and this was a a jazz funeral parade and they play music and they walk now how many's been to Louisiana in the summer Summer in Louisiana goes from basically April to, I don't know, December. <laughs> I mean, it's it's hot and humid there. It's so hot and humid, eight feet below sea level, and, it, and it's just rough. But they get all up in their finery and their, their you know, black and white, you know, white shirt, black tie, black suit, and they get their hats, and the ladies dress up in their finery, and they come out, and they just walk. They walk in a parade to the graveyard, and the caisson that takes the uh, – takes the, the, the dearly departed, the recently departed, takes them and follows along. And this little band plays and people march and they do things. And then after, you know, after all that, you know, a lot of times they have fans because you need fans. It's so hot. People got smart on that, didn't they? They put advertising on both sides of the fan. <laughs> They're smart, man. I might do that. Uh, you know, so, so they would fan themselves while they're walking, try not to fall out. People would pass out water. Then they go back to wherever it is their home church is and, and they have a meal. They have a celebration, and they laugh, and they dance, and they sing, and they play music, and all of those things. And then other cultures like Japan. In Japan, uh, a death, you're not supposed to show emotion because that's disrespectful to the dead. There is a lot of food. You visit the dearly departed spouse or whatever the relationship is, and and you go, and you're very humble, and you're very quiet, uh, and you bring food because that's considered respectful. Uh, You don't linger very long. Now, Shiva. Anybody ever sit Shiva? You know, the Hebrew tradition, I think I think the Jews do it really, really well. It's so respectful. It's understanding the passage of this person is a big deal. It's a big deal. And yet, and yet, they're under the covenant of God. He's covered them with his hand through his covenant. And the Messianic Jews, are, are they recognize that Yeshua is, is their Savior and, and that he is the right hand of the Father and that they will be there. And so there's there's the tragedy of that person. You know, you ever think, what in the world would I do if I couldn't talk to this person every day? You ever think about that? Well, I know some people uh, who were married uh, seven, uh, 60, 69 or 72 years, and they were both in their 90s, and, and they said, my goodness, what in the world would I do? No, no point in me being around if I couldn't have a conversation with my love wife or my love husband or my best friend. You know, they all have names for them. 
and then the person dies, the the one person dies, and look at that big old owl right out there. Boy, you guys, we're in the prettiest place. There's an owl. There's two owls taking care of babies, and there's one owl on a branch that's too too small for that big old owl, and he's trying to stay on that branch for anything, beat all. We have the best things here, don't we? We have deer walking by. One of these days, I hope an elephant comes by. I would really like to see that. Giraffes. Yeah, we could use some giraffes. See him struggling to stay on there? Isn't that something? That's so cool. That's just the neatest thing. See, if you were here, you'd be seeing this right now. Gawking out the windows, looking at the wildlife. We all here love looking at the wildlife. Free of charge, no cost or obligation to you. We'll even feed you while we look at them. That's right. The people are great. People are the best. And so he'll flap his wings in a second. You'll see him. He's making a ruckus out there. Uh, so, so anyway, the point is, is, is all the different cultures have different ways of dealing with death. Some people have a hard time living, such a hard time living. They worry over everything. I know you're going to recognize somebody. Maybe it's somebody in here. Maybe it's somebody all around the world. Um, he just flew away, by the way, lest you continue looking for him. Um, there, there are some people that just can't get about living. No matter what, they can't be satisfied. They're just unhappy in every doggone thing. You can't make them happy. God, please give me this. God gives them that. They're still not happy. God, give me this. God gives them that. Still not happy. Just, it's, it's just one unhappiness after another. And you think to yourself, what in the world is death going to be like for you? Because you've been half dying half your life. You ever think about, you know, how much do you live? How much do you live? I think about it. I was with my mom last night. I like to go down there on Saturdays and have dinner with my mother. Uh, dinner, by the way, next week, lest you worry about what we're going to eat next week, is already covered. We're going to have wonton soup and brown rice. If you can't get brown rice, I'll have lo mein for my mom. That's not for me. That's for my mom. But uh, anyways, <laughs> now you're all caught up on that. I know you were worried about that. Not even a little bit. Wes is shaking his head. No, not even a little bit. You know I'll always have the food covered. You know that. So death is the ultimate release from political correctness. Boy, you know what? I do like that. I do like that. One of our uh, – Craig in New York, uh, death is the ultimate release from political correctness. He's over in chat. Chat is awesome. You all ought to join that or listen around the world. So I thought about the significance of death. Some people, you know, they see the dark side in everything. The sun could be shining, and they'll say, oh, that sun is just too much on my skin. You know, I hear people – Ever, and I know you know people like this. This is mostly in the, I think this is mostly in the Northeast. Folks will say, oh, will this infernal winter ever be over? And then we have, you know, three days above 75 degrees or 80 degrees and sunny. They're like, whew, man, I'll be glad when winter's back. You know, they spent all winter long lamenting the winter. And now all of a sudden, begging for summer. And they, those people are half dead. I say, you know, how do you, you every now and then check them? fog a mirror or something put a mirror under them to see because they're just they're walking around like they're dead so when they die what what are the people that are going to be left behind say i always think about that i think about i'm happy to be alive i love being alive i do i love being alive i'm i'm look if a terrorist comes in i'll empty all my magazines on them believe you me tries to run me over on a bridge the car will be riddled with bullets they want to break into my house or try to rob me they'll learn something quick i'll go out i'll go out with a bang but if the Lord calls me home, I'm okay. I've had a good life. My mom, I brought up my mother, not for nothing, but my mom has lived 87 years on this earth, and, and she's she's had not an easy life. But, you know, she's made the best of it. 
and she's funny and she makes me laugh and she and she has so many interesting things to say. I just love it. I love it. I love sitting and talking to her. We have the best time. But you know, when she dies, I'm not going to lie to you. Somebody better hold me up. Somebody better hold me up. I know some of you were close to your either your father or your mother, and you know what it's like to feel your knees go out from underneath of you. It's hard. Because, you know, we, we, we love a certain person so much in our lives, we can't ever picture them not being in our life. And there are certain people that we think, oh, Lord, I, take me first. Take me first. Don't, don't let me suffer that. What do we always say about our kids? Lord, let me die first. That's me. Anybody? Well, take me first. Don't let me bury a child. Don't let me bury a child. My mom buried my brother Dean, 52 years old. It's the worst thing. Gosh, I can't pray for my daughter. She's over in Europe with her family and seeing the world. Daddy's worried sick, worried sick. All up in where all this mess is going on. My daughter. Yeah. Yeah. She's a world traveler, I'm telling you. Somebody said again in the audience, for the radio audience, somebody said again? She's all the time going places. She's working on not having any regrets when she goes. I'll tell you, I hope it's a long way off well after daddy but you know the truth of the matter is like my son is driving from lynchburg virginia he went to his good friend's wedding his buddies college buddies and he went to his wedding this weekend he's driving back i'll be worried sick until he drives up in the driveway that's just how it is do i not trust god no it's not i don't trust god i trust god absolutely i do but i'm human i'm human any other humans show of hands nope a lot of head shaking no no we're not in that we're not in that group we're not in that group and, you know, I, I can tell you that, that I'm a person who I make mistakes just like everybody else. I make big mistakes and small mistakes. Sometimes I make a bunch of small mistakes which count for a big mistake. And that's how we live in life. And, and, and then all of a sudden, we all, we all wish this, that the Lord speaks to us uh, in the mid-afternoon and says, Listen, I just want to give you a tip. This will be your last go to sleep. You'll wake up not here where you are, but you'll wake up in heaven. You'll wake up in heaven. You'll be with me, finally, at last. So I'm giving you this tip. This is the Lord speaking. This is not how he sounds, I'm pretty sure. So I'm giving you this tip in the afternoon so you can get on your knees and do some praying. Uh, you can pray a prayer of contrition. It'll be a long one. Repenting for your sins. You know, that's going to take a while. So that's why I got to hold you in the afternoon. Maybe I should have gotten hold of you in the morning, maybe a few mornings ago, so you can work on part one, part two, part three, part five of your of your uh, your prayer of contrition. So you can be ready. So you're all prayed up. Short accounts, keep short accounts with God. And then sometime during the night, I'm going to send my angel of death to come visit upon you. It won't hurt. Don't worry. Relax. It's going to be okay. One minute you're going to be dreaming of, I don't know what you dream of, whatever. I guess God would know what you dream of. So if I'm being God in this story, I guess I should make something up, but that wouldn't be the right thing. So whatever it is you're dreaming of, that's going to stop, and then all of a sudden you're going to be in heaven. And let me just tell you, heaven's going to be 100,000 billion million times better than you ever thought. Just to let you know. Just to prepare. Maybe you want to get a good meal in. You know, that money you've been saving up for that steak, go ahead and get that steak. Get a lobster while you're at it. Well, maybe hold off on the lobster. Get your steak and a baked potato, whatever else. 
kind of like the last meal, you know. You won't care. It won't matter. It won't be a big deal because I'm going to make your body perfect. But I'm just telling you, I'm giving you time. This is the Lord speaking. Don't forget. I'm going to give you time before you enter the gates of heaven to handle your business while you're here on earth. Be all caught up. Anybody here ever worry about dying before they give, uh, pray for forgiveness for their sins? We all sin every day. That's big fat life. We don't. There's another sin right there. See, um, if if we say you know we don't sin on a daily basis, we do. We're humans, and that's the case. But any of you ever worry that you won't be prayed up? The Lord calls for you. You don't have to answer for some stuff. You know the only sins. I don't know if you guys know this, but this is theological uh, accuracy here. The only sins we're called to account for, the prayer, are the sins that we have not repented of. That we've not asked for forgiveness. Did you all know that? Or did you think that just that praying for forgiveness bit is just, that's why I'm going to waste my time. If I'm going to have to, if I'm going to have to answer for them all, you know, why not? I just uh, go ahead and just wait. I'll hold off on that. Right? You ever think that? But it's only the ones that we haven't prayed up on. So here's the thing. If you're a person who is, I'm going to use a church word, saved, You've come to Christ, another church phrase. You've uh, you've come to the foot of the cross, another church phrase. What's the other ones? You've prayed the plan. You prayed the prayer of salvation. There's another one. What's what's the other ones? Anybody know another one? Way cool kind of way of putting that you've you're saved. You know anybody? You'll think of one. Shout it out when you do. But 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 what happens? Here we go. Here's what Scripture says. I think. What do I have to say? What do I know? I have a little bit of education, a little bit of life experience. But I wouldn't trust me. Trust Scripture. Asleep in Christ. This is for the death of the believer, death of those the faithful, followers of the way. 1 Corinthians 15, 18. Now, look, y'all know I don't just read the verse. I'm going to read the verses around it, kind of bumper cars type of deal. Uh, 1 Corinthians, we'll start at 12, 15, 12. But if it has been proclaimed that the Messiah has been raised from the dead, how is it that some of you are saying there's no such thing as a resurrection of the dead? Boy, I could preach a whole sermon on that. There is no resurrection of the dead, then the Messiah has not been raised, and there 14. And if the Messiah has not been raised, then what we have proclaimed is in vain. Also, your trust is in vain. i got something to say about that in a minute. Furthermore, we are shown up as false witnesses for God and having testified that God raised up the Messiah, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then the Messiah has not been raised either. And if the Messiah has not been raised, your trust is useless and you are still in your sins also if this is the case those who have died in union with the messiah are lost if it is only for this life that we have put our hope in the messiah we are more pitiable than anyone man that that in and of itself is a sermon you know that in and of itself is a sermon that one boy what would be the point I talk a lot about that person with the bumper sticker. They're sour-faced. They're sour-faced. They're rude. They're obnoxious. They're negative. Everything about every boy, you had the best day ever. And at the end of the day, oh yeah, it was. They're Eeyores. The day it was long. Yes, it was fun. But now I'm so tired. And what if tomorrow isn't as good? You ever know people like that? Boy, God gave you a beautiful day. Take it for what it is. Have faith that he's got tomorrow. Handle. I know in whom I have believed, and I know that he is able. But a lot of folks don't live that way. They don't live with that kind of belief. They just live very, 
and I always say, take that bumper sticker that follow me to such and such church. Take that off your car until you learn to smile. Paranoids are after me, yeah. The paranoid people are after me everywhere. They always say it's not a conspiracy if it's true. Let me go back to this real quick. Asleep in Christ. If we don't believe this basic tenet as a, as a follower of the way, if we don't believe that Hamashiach died, Yeshua Hamashiach, Jesus the Messiah, if we don't believe that he died, as they said, and then he was put into a borrowed grave, as they said, and then he rose again and is alive today, interceding for us on our behalf. If we don't believe that, don't waste your time. Yeah, it's a good meal. We have a good meal. Maybe I could drip on you enough. Maybe the, the Christ-like living of the folks that are here and the good food. Did I mention the food? The, the food would work on you. Finally, you'd say, well, we'll get along with these people. We'll, we'll believe what they believe. Otherwise, you're just wasting time. You're wasting time. You're a number in a book. That's all. The church roll book, and that won't get you into heaven. Not for nothing. That's a central tenet, folks. We got we got to believe that those who have died already. Look, my my buddy Eric. Uh, you know his last days were his last months were really rough. I'm not gonna lie, they were really rough. Man with great dignity, people help him dress, and people, people I say people, me and to know. Uh, help him dress and, and, you know, with every little thing he needed help. And we were glad to do it, happy to do it. But, you know, uh, the thing that made that easier, I know this sounds crazy and, and to some of be morbid, to a non-believer be morbid. But I said, you know, uh, as he transitions from life to death, I want him as, as that flash of memory comes across, I want him to remember being loved and being cared for gently and kindly. I want him to remember that the earth, even though his death was horrible, big parts of his, the last days were beautiful. They had a lot of beauty in them, asleep in Christ. And you know, I didn't have to remind him of those things because he knew. He said, one day this will be over. We talked the other day, the day before he died, we talked the other day uh, and uh when I was shocked, I got the call, and the, I just left here and got asleep, and the phone rang. And, you know, you never want to see your phone ring. Nobody wants that phone. You never do. First thing I ask my kids when they call, what's wrong? Let's get that out of the way first. Give me the bad news first. Don't don't dance around the bad news. I want to hear the bad news first. But, you know, my buddy, you know, when when we had our conversation, it was the last conversation we ever had. I told him I loved him. He told me he loved me. Right in front of the nurse, too. You know, he's being a great pride, but he said, I said, I love you, buddy. I love you, buddy. God's got you. And he said, I love you. He could barely talk, but I love you, too. Thank you for everything. I said, man, it's been an honor. I don't, maybe I thought somehow in the back of my mind he was not going to make it through the night. I don't know. I didn't have a sense of that, but there was something about it. Something about it. He went to sleep in Christ. And because we both believe 1 Corinthians 15, we understand that that's real. That's not a fantasy land. That's not some fake thing. We can live knowing that that's real. Thank you to guests who are joining us in chat. Pleasure to have you. You know, you know a lot of people that don't believe in the resurrection from the dead. Look, we don't believe Christ is risen. If we don't believe that, that we who 
are in Christ, who are believers, who have placed our faith in Christ, if, if, if we don't believe that Christ raised, you might as well mess around. Quit messing around believing you're going to go to heaven. Don't even believe there's a heaven because it all centers on the resurrection of Hamashiach. Don't waste your time. Believe or don't believe. As for me, I believe. As for my buddy Eric, he believed. He didn't have a doubt. He had no doubt. No doubt. We told the nurse, I said, one day, you know, he's, man, I'm all, I'm all shrunk up, you know, because that's what multiple myeloma does. It shrinks you. And uh, he looked like a little kid in the bed. And so I was talking to, actually, it was the uh, speech pathologist was there when I was there trying to help him with swallowing and, and all that. He couldn't eat, so he had a feeding tube. He couldn't eat because he kept choking. Um, and uh, I said, how about that meal we're going to have one? Do you think we're going to eat in heaven? He goes, man, I hope for your sake they have food in heaven because you'll be a lost soul. And uh, we laughed about that. I said, what are you going to eat? You get out of here, what are you going to eat? He laid it out. He's a good old downstate boy. He said, crabs, steam crabs, I want crabs. <laughs> I said, I don't know that they're going to have them in heaven, brother. They'll have something else just as good. You know, we laughed about that. And uh, the, the uh, we joked around and told the, I don't know if you know, Eric is black and I'm white. And so uh, the the, uh, the lady that was in there, I don't know if she was a doctor or a nurse, don't know which, but, uh, and she said, oh, uh, you know, and who are you? I'm new on the case. Who are you? And uh, and I said, I'm his brother. And she looked at me, looked, oh, okay, okay. Is that right? We had a good, we had her going. We had a good laugh. He goes, he is my brother. I said, I'm his brother. First Thessalonians 4, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll keep going. Can't go on forever. Now, brothers, we want you to know the truth about those who have died. Otherwise, you might become sad the way people... Hold on a second. Didn't I just say this? Scripture is quoting me now. Oh, wait. No, I was quoting Scripture when I was telling all that. I said I wanted to feel good about myself. Self-esteem is important. you got to earn it. Now, brothers, we want you to know the truth about those who have died. Otherwise, you might become sad the way other people do who have nothing to hope for. Now, didn't I just say that? But in Sean Talk? Don't run around being sad in your life, mopey and downtrodden. If you know the truth and you live in the truth, stop being sad all the time. Look, hey, there better be. You know, you live as close to death as I do on a daily basis. You have your stuff together. You have the funeral plan. You know what song's going to be you know, going through right now. Who's going to get this and who's going to get that and make sure we have all this covered. I've even talked some about the food that will be served at my funeral, but let's not get into that now. That's a long list. It won't be steam crabs, Wes. Don't worry. <laughs> you might become sad the way other people do who have nothing to hope for. What? What in the world would we live dark and mopey and angry all the daggone time what is the point in being a believer in Christ if for no other reason than be happy? Well, my life's not happy. My life is tough. I'll look at you. I'll look you right in the face and say, "How many of those things are your decisions?" Now, Eric didn't do anything. He didn't smoke cigarettes. He didn't live a crazy life, you know. But he got cancer. I don't know why. I don't know why people get multiple myeloma or pancreas cancer like my buddy Chris. I don't know why people get cancer. I hate it. 
I hate cancer. Cancer makes me sick. Makes me mad. It does. It makes me just downright mad. I think, man, Lord, come on. That mosquitoes, come on, we could have done better. For since we believe that Yeshua died and rose again, we also believe that in the same way God, through Yeshua, will take with him those who died. When we say this, we base it on the Lord's own word. Listen, you've got friends that you cannot rely upon. They're liars. They tell lies. They still may be your friends, but they tell lies. How many people have that friend? You just kind of, you when, they, when they're talking, you, you have this little filter, this lie filter. It's like that cheesecloth, but with really big holes in it, right? You better not put anything too small through it or the whole thing will go through. Now, if you have a friend with somebody that you have that kind of cheesecloth and, and what goes through uh, is the lies and what remains is the truth, well, you need to get another friend. You just can't rely on somebody that lies like that. But you all know people. You all know people like that. Don't you? Am I the only one? Doesn't lie. The Lord's own word doesn't lie. It's truth from start to finish. Inside and out, every word. Every word. When we say this, we base it on the Lord's own word. There's no better. There is no better thing to rely upon than that. Can I get an amen? The Lord's word is solid. It's not somewhat solid. It's not somewhat okay. It's solid. You can bank on it. You can live with joy on it. You can base decisions you make in the natural world here on earth on God's supernatural living word. And sometimes people will look at you like you're crazy. See, people look at me like I'm crazy a lot. I'm wondering a little bit about that. Yeah, that's right. That's a good crazy look right there. Who cares if they look at you like you're crazy? See, I'm living on the Word. I'm living in the Word. I'm living on God's promises. I'm not, this world doesn't have anything for me. We who remain alive when the Lord comes will certainly not take precedence. Over those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a rousing cry, with a call from one of the ruling angels, and with God's shofar. Thank you to Wes for blowing the shofar before we start. God's shofar. Those who died united with the Messiah will be the first to rise, then those who are left still alive will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we will always be with the Lord. So encourage one another. With these words. Now, look, I was going to leave that off. I was going to leave that off. So encourage each other with these words. But you know, I'd be a fool to leave that off. Look, we got to encourage each other. That's the whole purpose of coming together in the community of faith in this Kehalan and around the world. I happen to know there's some folks uh, sitting around their table, husband and wife, sitting around the table, having their meal, listening to this. I happen to know there's some other folks up in a hot tub. They had a little food to eat. They got in the hot tub. They cranked me up. Now all the neighbors are going to hear me. Hey, neighbors. Some folks, look, some folks don't be one of the – now, look, I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to have to now because I've kind of started to say it. And you can't start to say something. People think you're crazy if you do that. You start to say something, then you – well, let me not say that. So I'm going to go say the whole thing. Look here. Some people. You all know this person. If there's somebody in here that you know you're thinking of, don't point to them. But I'm saying, just think of their name. But don't mouth it with your – some people do that, you know, like dancers sometimes count out with their mouth open. Don't do that. Don't say, like, what? or something like that. You know what I mean? No offense, but I'm just saying. Some people need encouragement. Now, he doesn't need encouragement all the time. He's a happy guy. 
Some people need encouragement all the time. They're like a child. They're constantly, no, this is positive. This thing you're looking at here is so negative. No, it's positive. This is a beautiful thing from God. Don't fall by the wayside. They're constantly needing lifting up. They're constantly needing encouragement. Those types of people will wear your natural body out. Sometimes you got to let those folks kind of go by. Now, if they're your child or your you know, spouse or whatever, your parent, you can't do that. You've got to be in it to win it. But as friends, somebody was talking to me this week about toxic friends, letting toxic friends go. Who in here has ever had a toxic friend? Oh, my lands, right? Sometimes you got to let them go. Sometimes it's their family, right? Sometimes it's their family. you got to let them go. Family A, family B. Family A, not toxic. Family B, very toxic. Sometimes you do have to do that. But, man, encourage each other with these words. Don't say fluffy bumper sticker philosophy or psychological pablum, babble, for the sake of saying it. Come up with little cliches that people have been saying forever. Say what the Word says. Read on this passage. It'll only take you a minute. You might have to read it a few times. They'll get ma- Well, that would be great if this passage wasn't so long. I'm so tired from listening to the Bible now. Come on. Come on. Hey, what about that saint that passes away? Right? Well, we're all here and they pass away and we're upset about it, right? We're grieving. I always say this at funerals. By the way, when I do funerals, I say that if I know the person was a believer, I say this to the people. Hey, that, look, it is sad. I point to the cast. It is sad. It's terrible. It's terrible that person is gone, not for them, but for us, because we're going to mourn. I wrote a, an ebook, and you're welcome to have it for free. You send me a note on Facebook or smgreener at gmail.com, or you contact me through the website, theninjapastor.com. Go to contact me, do that. I'll send it to you free of charge. It's 42 pages of powerful teaching on living through grief on purpose. And I'm telling you, you were one of the ones that helped me kind of make sure I had everything in the right place. I am telling you, as sure as I'm saying, some people say stuff and they're not sure. I'm sure of this. I'm absolutely sure of this. I'm telling you, as believers, if you are a believer, I could point, if I do your funeral, I could point to your casket in which your mortal remains, and I could say, that guy, that lady, wouldn't change places with any of us right now for all the money in the world, all the power in the world, all the luxury in the world, all the pleasure in the world, they would not wave their hand and say, hey, now there'd be a lot of people passing out. That's all of a sudden the person in the casket raised their hand and said, I'm in. They wouldn't. They wouldn't change. I said it at my father's funeral. I said it at my brother's funeral. I've said it at many funerals. I said it at your husband's funeral. And I hope somebody says it at mine. Wouldn't change. I love my family. I love my friends. I love all of y'all. I have a lot. I'm so fortunate. I have a lot of friends. I think about the friends I have, and I think, oh, I've been so lucky. I've been so lucky to be in the care and the love and the concern of so many great people. How undeserving, but boy, I've been so lucky. I count myself lucky for all of you, being my friend. But if I'm in the casket, I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change places. No, I would not. Yeah, Wes wants to know, can he have some of my guns? I knew it. Oh, friends, because I have a gun, because I carry a gun. I have never forced anybody. Let me state this. 
by a gunpoint to be my friend. Maybe I lifted my shirt a little bit, and who knows. Next, I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write, how blessed are the dead who die united with the Lord. From now on, yes, says the Spirit, now they may rest from their efforts, for the things they have accomplished follow along with them. Let me say this. We have a saying, right? The initials are R-I-P, which stands for rest in peace. Right here is where it all started. That's where that saying came from, rest in peace. How blessed are the dead who die united with the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, now they may rest from their efforts. For the things they have accomplished, follow along with them. Look, I don't want you to think that you can do whatever you want here on earth because you're covered by the hand of God, by the death, burial, and resurrection of Yeshua HaMashiach, that you can do anything you want here on earth. There'll be a price to pay. There's consequences for everything. But I do want to tell you, get about living. Don't live in neutral. My lands don't live in reverse. Stop looking in there. You can't drive. Look, NASCAR race, I don't know who won. There's a NASCAR race in Dover, Delaware right now. I'm hoping Jimmy Johnson, number 48 car, but I didn't pray for it or anything. I, you know, I'm just saying I would like him to win. Those guys can't drive, and that lady can't drive those race cars at 180 miles per hour by looking in the rearview mirror. Can't do it. Can't run that race that way. You can't be – look, I, I do a sermon called Hunting Dead Lions. I kid you not. That's the name of it. It's from a, from a scripture verse. And in that, in that, I say, look, you may have at one point in time really messed up bad. You screwed up so bad. You messed up other people's lives. You, you caused damage. I mean, just heartbreaking damage. And you just can't get past it. And then other people, see him right there? He's on the ground now. This owl is at one at, by the cart, right behind the cart. That, that owl is awesome. He and I are going to be friends. He's catching something. That's what he's doing. Dinner for the babies. He's cleaning out your mouse problem out there in the woods. Well, y'all are missing it. It's the neatest things we get to see it. And I'm saying, they're, folks, they are giant owls, too. They're big. Oh, Jimmy Johnson just won. Won under caution. Amen. I said I didn't pray for it, but I sort of in the back of my mind did. Jimmy Johnson, go, boy. When you ate, set the record. That's awesome. Thanks for telling me, Craig. I feel better now. Sickness and death are God's way of loosening our grip on this world. Jerry from Pennsylvania said. That's powerful. That is powerful right there. Yes, says the Spirit, now they may rest from their efforts, for the things they have accomplished follow along with them. What in the world? I look at myself and I say, well, what have I accomplished? What have I accomplished in this world? I can make a sermon out of what I did not accomplish that I should have accomplished. But I didn't. Hunting dead lions, you know, uh, that sermon goes the other way, too. It goes, maybe you had a great success. I use the example of the, uh, of the quarterback. There's two of them out there now, mom and pop, I guess. How cool is that? Y'all, this is just, huh? Those are the babies? How big are mom and dad? 
What are they, Goliath owls? Holy moly. We're looking at the babies out here, folks. You're missing out. Now, you all know me. I, I could stop right now and just stare at them. Um, but, you know, the hunting deadlines goes the other way, too. You know, sometimes we, we, we're successful like that high school quarterback, right? It's great in high school. You see him 20 years later. He's fat. He's out of shape. He's got no job. He's got no friends. He's been divorced five times. He gets in fights. He's in the bar all the time. Everybody knows him by the name. They think they're his friends. As long as you pay the bar tab, you're, you're their friend. You're afraid to try anything else. You're afraid to do more and do better to extend themselves. Because they had that success, they had that accolade, and they want to keep it. Hmm. For the saint to die is gain. Philippians 121, we'll start at 20 just for fun, it's no extra charge. It all accords with my earnest expectation and hope that I will have nothing to be ashamed of, but rather now, as always, the Messiah will be honored by my body, whether it is alive or dead. For to me, Life is the Messiah, and death is gain. But if by living on in the body I could do fruitful work, then I don't know which to choose. I am caught in a dilemma. My desire is to go off and be with the Messiah. That is better by far. But because of you, the greater need is to stay on in the body. Yes, I am convinced of this, so I know I will stay on with you in order to help you in progress in the faith and have joy in it, and have joy in it, and have joy in it. In it. Then, through my being with you again, you will have even greater reason for boasting about the Messiah Yeshua. Now, let me just say this real quick, because we're we're darn near almost out of time. He says in verse 23 in the Complete Jewish Bible, "I am caught in a dilemma. My desire is to go off and be with the Messiah. That is better by far." Let me just say this to you: There's somebody in this room I know that you give her a checkbox, yes or no. And the question for the checkboxes is, if you could, if you could ask God, can I go to heaven now, or do I have to, do I have to wait until a later time? They would check with this Sharpie, color in the box. You know the people are sure when they do it. You know a lot of people when they check the box, but they don't hit the box, you're like, you're offensive. Or I, don't simply, I don't think you mean what you say. But the person that colors it all in and doesn't leave a single thing, puts arrows to the yes box, you know, and all that circles it, you know, they're sure. That's what would happen in the back there. That's what would happen. My desire is to go off and be with the Messiah. That is better by far. Listen, folks, that is better by far. That absolutely is. But we have, he's the one that determines, unless by our stupidness. You know, if you, if you, do, you play Russian roulette with a gun, that's just stupid. You jump without a parachute, that's just stupid. You're committing suicide. You jump off a building without a you're just committing suicide. You live crazy. You get addicted to drugs. You do any of these things, those are stupid things. Those are stupid things. And if you live dangerously and you die, you can't be surprised. You commit crimes and the police shoot you, can't be surprised when you die. That's just stupid living. But God knows our date and our time. And when he calls us, we answer. Because he loves us. And we love him. There's another verse in here, 25. Philippians 1.25. Yes, I am convinced of this, so I know I will stay on with you in order to help you progress in the faith and have joy in it. There's another indication of joy. There's another indication of joy that we're supposed to live in joy. We're not supposed to be bound up all the time. The saint facing death is to be full of faith. 
Hebrews 11. This is starting at 13. All these people kept on trusting until they died without receiving what they had promised. They had only seen it and welcomed it from a distance while acknowledging that they were aliens and temporary residents here on earth. People who speak this way make it clear that they are looking for a fatherland. Now, if they were to keep recalling the one they left, they would have an opportunity to return. But as it is, they aspire to a better fatherland, a heavenly one. This is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Those, now, I'm going to slash city slash country, because I'm kind of hoping it's less like a city and more like the country, because I'm kind of a country boy here on earth. So I'm hoping there's some lakes and some ponds and do a little fishing. Uh, I know there won't be hunting because we won't need to eat, so we won't need to kill the animals, but I am hoping there's animals. Just saying, I've got some ideas about what I'm hoping for. But I know God's got it covered, so I don't need to worry. But he's prepared for them a city. Also, peace. We can live in peace. Isaiah 57, 2. Yes, those who live uprightly will have peace as they rest on their couches. You get a couch. You heard it right. You get a couch if you become a Christian that you can rest on. It literally says that. Well, maybe not that. Yes, those who live uprightly will have peace as they rest on their couches. In other words, that's a euphemism, an idiom, a Hebrew idiom for you. Rest on your couch. You lean back and you rest. You are at peace. We have hope. Proverbs 14:32. The wicked are brought down by their wrongdoing, but the righteous can be confident even at death. Doesn't mean we, we, we fail to fight injustice. Doesn't mean we don't fight that here on earth. That's what we're here for. There's no greater justice than God's justice. But the fact of the matter of it is, we're to be defenders of that. But if we die in that, we know, we can be confident, even at death, that we have Christ. Sometimes death is desired. You know, when somebody's super sick, Sometimes they say, Lord, just take me. Luke 2.29, now Adonai, according to your word, your servant is at peace as you let him go. For I have seen with my own eyes your Yeshua, which you prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light that will bring revelation to the Goyim and a glory to your people Israel. You know, death for the saints is waited for. If a man dies, this is Job 14, 14. If a man dies, will he live again? I will wait all the days of my life for my change to come. Sometimes it's met with resignation. Death among the saints met with resignation. Yosef, this is uh, Genesis 50, 24. Yosef said to his brothers, I am dying, but God will surely remember you and bring you up out of the land to the land which he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then Yosef took an oath from the sons of Israel. God will surely remember you, and you are to carry my bones up from here. So Yosef died at the age of 110, and they embalmed him and put him in a coffin in Egypt. How about Joshua 23:14? Today I'm going the way of all the earth. Therefore consider in all your heart and being that not one of all the good things Adonai your God said concerning you has failed to happen. It has all come to pass. Nothing of it has failed. Hmm. Facing death as people of faith, we can face it without fear. 1 Corinthians 15.50 Let me say this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot share in the kingdom of God, nor can something that decays share in what does not decay. Look, I will tell you a secret. Not all of us will die, but we will all be changed. It will take but a moment, the blink of an eye, 
at the final shofar. For the shofar will sound and the dead will be raised to live forever, and we too will be changed. For this material, which can decay, must be clothed with imperishability. This which is mortal must be clothed with immortality. When what decays puts on imperishability and what, and what is mortal puts on immortality, then this passage of the Tanakh will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the sin draws its power, draws its power from the Torah. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. I want you to, to know this, and this is an important thing to know. I want you to know this, that God doesn't take your living lightly, and he doesn't take your dying lightly. I've often said this when people say, well, you know, I'm just trying to fulfill God's will. I'm trying to make this happen here on earth. I'm fighting for this for that for God. And that's true. That's right. God doesn't need our help, though. He doesn't. If we're being honest, God doesn't need our help. He really doesn't. But he wants our help. He wants, while we're here on earth, to be involved, to be plugged in, to be happy warriors, to be joyful. Nothing worse than living on earth a whole bunch of years and being mopey, and sad, and unjoyful. Nothing worse. We do not have to live like that, my friends. We absolutely do not have to live like that. Our alternative is powerful and amazing. Our alternative is to live in joy. If Jill were here, I would I would quote her. We are to work until he comes. But we're not to work like a... We're to work with joy until he comes. God bless you and keep you. Join us on Wednesday. We have an amazing show for you. Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the ninja pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at the ninja pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And check out all the free messages, archive shows, and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, at www.drshawngreener.com. Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight. <laughs>